Welcome back to the Hustle Podcast. Today I'm here with my colleague and my friend Thomas Ewart. Thomas is a designer at Funsize. Thanks for staying a little bit later to record this episode. Yeah, of course. Why don't you take a minute to uh, introduce yourself? Okay, so I'm Thomas. I've been with Funsize for I think close to seven months now. It was a three-month apprenticeship and then I was brought on full-time and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I mean, I'm a pug dad can go into some more specific things. I'm an Austin local, which was a shock to me to find out that that's a very rare thing these days to find. And um, I'm very new to the design world. Well, you're an Austin local that moved back to Austin after living in Norway. So that's a little bit different. Yes, that's true. I guess I did lose my Texas-ness when I was (laughs) becoming a Viking for two years. (laughs) So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your journey to becoming a designer? Yeah. So I've got a very odd and colorful background because there wasn't any really definite paths in my career where I felt like I was doing the right thing for the longest time. And just to, you know, take a step back, I, my like biggest part of my past was in the music industry where I spent a lot of time making music and DJing and toured for a little bit. And that was, I mean, really fun. And, you know, I, I met a lot of great people and learned a lot of important life skills throughout that journey. And, you know, I, I'm honestly grateful looking back that I didn't go the traditional college route because I feel like I would have a totally different view on the world if I had done so, because it kind of forced me into that rough situation of like, you know, not having parents wanting to help you out in any way. So having to get a second job to support that music career when touring wasn't going well. And, you know, just like, just getting really real into life really quickly after high school. So I learned a lot of, you know, important life lessons and basically just kept trying to go down the path that I thought was the right path for me. Unfortunately, I found out the music industry wasn't the right thing for me. Uh, I started doing some accounting for a while, which even more so wasn't the right thing for me. And I ended up moving to Norway to move out there for a girl that I slid into her DMs on Instagram. And, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and uh, Modern Love Story. <laughs> and um, I was out there for two years, and that was actually really nice from my mind, I think, because it it gave me a lot of freedom to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, it was like, I, I, even though I hated doing the accounting work, I was really busting my ass at it and trying to do the best I could, but it just wasn't something I was enjoying. And I, I realized that my life was gravitating towards any type of creative work, no matter what it was. Mm -hmm. And while I was out in Norway, I was, you know, teaching myself how to edit videos and stuff like that because I was really drawn towards like editing and directing music videos and thought that would be a fun thing to pursue. And I I still would like to do things like that on the side. And I think I've always found myself reaching for creative side projects and stuff like that. And so what was it that sparked the interest in getting into digital product design? Yeah. So I when my wife and I moved back to Austin because you know, like Norway is, you know, a, a bit rougher than it seems. And, and expensive is. Yes. It's all very hell. expensive to live there, especially, you know, not having the best job at the time there. So moving back, I had a friend who was going to general assembly here for coding and I talked to him and he was like, you know, I know you had looked at it before 
and he was like, UX design sounds like something you would re- like really enjoy because you're creative and you like problem solving and things like that. So I looked into it for some time, did a lot of research, you know, cause again, general assembly isn't the cheapest course to take on the whim. And I wanted to make sure that it was something I would enjoy. And after looking into it, it was, it was weird that I didn't understand that there was a certain job for this, you know, that mm-hmm. yeah. people for a living were designing these apps. It wasn't just someone building it out of nowhere. And, uh, as soon as I started looking into it, I, even from the first project I did, which I did all in Photoshop, which I'm kind of glad I did cause it was fun trying to design an app inside of Photoshop since that is, you know, how y'all used to do it back in the day. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a fun experiment. And then, I mean, I remember when, I mean, Photoshop kind of ruled the day, ruled the world forever. I mean, there were, there were other tools that were, that had a lot of potential like fireworks that could do vector design and do like automate things really fast. But like Photoshop was the standard for a while. And I remember when Jim and our team, when he joined, this was years ago, I mean, years and years ago, he said, well, I think we should use sketch. And we were like, well, no one's really using that. But then it's, it quickly became like, it like just sort of cannibalized the whole industry. Yeah. And now that's happening with Figma, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's funny how fast things change. Yeah. It's crazy. And, uh, I mean, even then, like as soon as I got accepted into general assemblies program, they were like, Oh yeah, sketch is the thing. And I was like, why did I just try to do that all within Photoshop, you know? And so that, that was the first step I had into product design in that realm. And I then started seeing all these ties in my background where I was like, oh, wow, I've been designing album art for myself and my friends for a long time. And I've been a huge video game nerd and I've always designed my own signatures on the forums and everything. So I I just, it was stuff that I ignored that I enjoyed in my past that I never was like, oh, I could probably, you know, enjoy a career out of this. Yeah. I mean, um, General Assembly is great. We've Uh, hired, we've hired, many people from General Assembly. We've been lucky to, you know, meet a lot of people that work with us today from General Assembly specifically. I'm curious, we don't have to uh, talk too long. I'm just curious, question for you. What made you decide to invest into going to uh, an intensive program like that and spending money versus just finding an apprenticeship Um, from the get-go? Yeah, I'm just for, curious, really curious. For me, it it was more about establishing basics before going into something completely blind. Mm, yeah, I felt like if I would have at that point tried to reach out for apprenticeships, one there wouldn't have been enough like background for me. Yeah, and uh, two, like there just wouldn't have been work. I I think General Assembly is so successful because they give you projects that you could turn into case studies and show yeah. off your abilities, yeah. whether it's research or that's, design. that's absolutely true. Yeah. So we met what almost a year ago. Yeah. Close. It was the last South by. Yeah. And so you went through the apprentice program. Um, we can't probably talk about a lot of the specific clients or projects, but maybe you could tell listeners a little bit about the types of things you've been working on in your first year of being a designer. Yeah. So I've, been fortunate enough to actually be hands-on with all sorts of different clients and it's been massive to me. I There's like no way I could have learned the amount of stuff I've learned without that ability because I've been able to 
one of the first projects I had been helping out with when I started here was, you know, one of those bigger internal teams. And it was more of a traditional product design role where it was just, you know, trying to get production along with things. So it was interesting seeing and interacting with clients on that level, you know, like a massive scale. And I've, I'm recently now on a, a local startup project, you know, and it's, it's so crazy to be a part of a team that, you know, as soon as I am done designing something, the developers are pushing it out and it's live. And I, the next day I go into the office, they're like, Oh, Hey, check this out. We built it. So, and even those. Yeah. And that's exciting to me too, like on a, on another level than a typical project because the, the project that you're working on it, we're investors in. So like we have like, you know, we have a really tiny, 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 tiny stake in their business, but we have our line on the mission and try to, and try to do that. The, we can talk about that and that's called hitch and it's ride. It's a, uh, it's a, it's ride, ride sharing essentially between Austin and major city centers like Dallas and Houston. Uh, if you're traveling to those places from Austin or to Austin from those places, you should check out hitch. Yeah. Okay. So I don't remember what it was, but I remember early, it was during your apprenticeship, we realized that you were organizing the Austin Figma meetup, mm-hmm. which I was super proud of because it felt very special to me to be working with some who, someone who outside of fun size was already like connecting themselves with this community and, you know, being a leader in that community. I think, I think it's really awesome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, well, okay. A lot of people listen to the show, not just designers, a lot of, you know, business people or aspiring business people, product managers, engineers listen to this. What's the real quick brief on Figma? Uh, why do you think it's special? And why did you decide to co-organize the meetup? Tell me about your co-organizer and like what you guys are trying to achieve with that. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, just like a quick way to explain Figma is, you know, it's the, the design tool that's collaborative. And I I think that they're massively successful because you can look at collaboration in many different ways rather than just like designer to designer. Because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, every design tool is just another design tool. You should be able to use all of them. But I believe with collaboration and allowing other people to come into it, it becomes wildly successful, you know. And uh, I don't know why, but I, I feel like I've always been so attached to that, like, no matter what it is, that like shiny new thing. And for me going through General Assembly and hearing about Figma, that was the shiny new thing at the moment. And at the time, you know, like when you're inside General Assembly, they're really pushing you to go and do all this networking. And so I was so used to going to meetups after meetups. And I was like really interested in learning more about Figma that I looked into it and there just wasn't a Figma Austin. And I just tweeted at surprising. Yeah. I tweeted at Figma design. I was like, Hey, any plans on having any meetups here? And then someone from Figma tweeted me back and was like, Hey, you want to have a quick chat? Like, you know, we haven't really had anything yet. Are you interested in starting it? And I, um, you know, I had a, a voice call with Thomas Lowry, who's a designer at Figma and, you know, told him my backstory and my whole spiel and everything and told him how I would like love to be able to give back to the community, you know, and I think that was the most important thing for me is like, even now after general assembly, I love going back to general assembly and talking to 
new kids in the you cohort. You do that? Yeah, all the time. Tell me more about that. I yeah. didn't know that. Um, so like my, my two teachers there, well, I had three, but there are two left and they'll reach out to me all the time and they'll have me come do like a panel with some other graduates from general assembly and people at the cohort can ask us questions and stuff like that. And I've, I've always told Aaron who is the career coach there that, you know, let people connect with me on LinkedIn, whatever you want. Like I, I love being able to be like this glimpse of like hope, but like giving them like a firm direction because I know things can always be kind of confusing and misleading sometimes in those situations. And, you know, for me, there was someone else at the, I saw a graduate who had had a job and I met Brittany here, you know. Was that, who, that was Brittany that you met in a similar capacity? Well, no, she didn't go to a panel or anything, but I, I met her through her, oh. her stuff with Creative Mornings. Right, and, okay. You know, and so yeah. like being able to meet these people that had gone through what you were going through. And it's like, you know, a very rigorous process and, uh, it's just like really hopeful. And so I love being able to be that. And I was like, what other better way to do that? And cause I, I truly am so obsessed with Figma that I was like, this is perfect for me. Like I, I could talk about Figma all day, even though it's, you know, a design tool at the end of the day. So for me, that was the biggest thing. Really, was just giving back. Man, that's really awesome. I didn't actually, did, I didn't, I didn't know that you did that. And I think that's really incredible that you do that. I'm not able to attend these meetups because I have a baby like now, and so I have to leave and go home. But I, I you know, I kind of live vicariously through what people are saying. And I saw, uh, well, saw a brief overview about some of the stuff you were talking about in the last uh, Figma meetup. Um, can you set that up? Like, what was that? What was the topic of the most recent? Yeah, so just to just to echo what I was saying before, the the specific topic we had was collaboration with Figma yeah. and how that reaches further than just designer to designer collaboration. So you you talked about something that Dylan uh, Figma CEO said about the stages of design and how that sort of uh, how that correlates to like their mission. Like, can you what's the brief on that? Yeah, so to Dylan he he thinks that there's three stages of design and he said that the first stage is misunderstanding. So that's the stage where like an organization has designers, but they don't see the true potential of design. They're, you know, still a bit confused at what design is. And then the second stage is, you know, the organization is slowly starting to adapt to this and they have designers sitting in on meetings and design is starting to influence decisions and then the third stage is that everyone sees how pivotal design is for a company. So everyone wants to sit in at the design table. And it's really awesome to hear the CEO of a you know, company like this talk about collaboration in that way because it's almost as if he was planning on Figma being this way all along, you know, the way you can just send links left and right. People don't have to have accounts to access it. It's you know, during the conversation or the meetup, I I talked a lot about how it's awesome to see so many different projects where people are so quick to jump on Figma because it's just such an easy access point. And, you know, people can leave comments left and right. And even if people don't understand how to design well, they understand that they can just like take simple shapes 
And so if they can't draw well, they can just put these, you know, kind of makeshift Frankenstein squares together to make like this concept they're speaking about. So it's, I think it's really pivotal that Dylan was probably already thinking about this before he was making it just like a designer to designer collaborative tool. I mean, what's the takeaway there is that the, is that that at the transformative level that like other people that aren't designers can now participate in design, like some yeah. of the other tools, which are also good tool, tools, but like mm-hmm. it, it's more static. Like maybe all you can do is comment versus actually like work and share your thoughts and whether you're a, you know, coming from the business side or coming from the sales side or coming from the marketing side or content or design, like, is it that or is it something different? Uh, no, I believe it's that. And I like on a interesting level, it seems like it's almost like playful, you know, from what I've seen, uh, anytime I've seen clients that aren't designers that are jumping into Figma, they're, it's genuinely looks like they're having a fun time with inside this tool, you know, which is really interesting to see. It's, it's as if they're like taking a break from their day job to become a designer for the day. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty going to have Tony on the podcast soon to talk about some of the other kinds of collaborative things, like especially like how Figma can be uh, extremely useful for like the non-design stuff, like a presentation, creating slides, like, you know, conducting a workshop, like a UX workshop that would traditionally be done on a whiteboard, you know, like we're, a lot of people now are using tools like Mural to do that, but you can do these collaborative workshops using Figma. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I think that's pretty awesome. Um, I've been seeing a, a few people doing doing that sort of stuff, and I think it's re- really cool, and all that sort of lives in the same space, and it's accessible by everyone. Tell me a little bit about what you think about, since we're talking about Fig, like now we're talking about Figma. Mm-hmm. So this is just your personal op- opinions. What do you think about Figma in the context of a design sprint? Uh, so, because to me it seems like a no-brainer, but that's just to use opinion. Figma yeah. in yeah. a design sprint. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I completely agree. I think it's that nuance of like being able to use one tool for so many different things. You know, it's like oh, we can just use this type of thing, and you know, of course, there's the environmental plus of not having to use paper and all these things and print certain aspects out. But it's. I think it's from a designer perspective that I enjoy that we can create these, you know, symbols for sticky notes and people can just duplicate them and move them around and just easily put stuff in. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the workshopping side, which which is awesome. And I imagine if you had a, you know, a big touchscreen display, you could probably, if I don't know if Figma is optimized for touch, but actually there's, I saw someone on Twitter, they, that was using Figma on, in their Tesla. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but also the design too, like, yeah. you know, cause if you look at high intense workshops prior to Figma, let's say you have like three to five days and you have, you know, mm, I more see. than one designer that need yeah. to collaborate on a design in order to accomplish something by the end that, that old school was like, oh, well, you know, like here's your sketch file or Photoshop file. Like, here's what I'm doing. Is it syncing on Dropbox? Like, you know, like where that is like now solve right you like you have like a, a common set of things that people can just work with and create all the boards in one place and borrow and share from each other like like maybe even if the fidelity isn't like exactly where you want it maybe even if you don't use figma as like your stack like maybe your stack is you know sketch and abstract which is also a great stack but maybe like a tool like this does make more sense for what, like moving fast because you can 
it might be worth the investment to consider it versus, and then bring that back into another environment versus not have that luxury of like working in cl- in a collaborative environment. Like, I mean, it would be the same thing as like trying to get a, uh, a Google doc accomplished in one day, but like two people using Microsoft word versus like using Google docs. Yeah. To me, that's, that's how I think about it. Yeah. I mean, totally. I, so one of the first like sprints that I was a part of here during my apprenticeship, we actually use Sketch and uh, just Dropbox back and forth to try to, in, in a sprint setting, that was like, crazy to me. I, like, we, I feel like we could have done so much more work for the client yeah. if we had been using Figma at the time because like, we were just almost, it would be teams of two different designers tackling uh, like half and half of the designs we were going for. And I would have to like wait for my other mm-hmm. designer to be done with theirs and save it and upload it before mm-hmm. I could go make changes yep. to it. And it just, it felt like this very odd process, you know? It's obviously like a delightful tool for a lot of people. I think it, it, I think it does get other people interested in design, you know, when they feel like it's, because there, there's some, there's like a wall that's put up sometimes when you just have like a static screen and a prototype and you can just comment, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're always wondering like, okay, well, are they going to, is the person I'm talking to hear this? Like, instead of like maybe showing them very, very recently, in fact, like within the last 48 hours, one of our clients who's not a engineer or a designer where we use Figma in a design sprint said like, Hey, I love this. Like, um, I may not be able to produce the, the, the right stuff, but I feel like this is like a way for me to communicate with my team. And he like, he said like, do you have, can you, uh, like I'm, I, I want to learn about this. I want to learn how to give me some tutorials or, or something. And it's cool that like it seems like it makes it more accessible. Yeah. To more people. Yeah, like as a team in yeah. in general, it's you know it's so much more than just a for the design team. That's for sure. But yeah, talking about that, I'm sure you've seen on Twitter, design Twitter always debating about like there's certain people on Twitter who are it seems like so against Figma because they believe so strongly that a tool is a tool at the end of the day. I was just wondering what you, what your thoughts are. Okay. Repeat that. Like there's a lot of people on like Twitter design, Twitter that like really just feel like, I don't know if they're just the type of person that's just like the, against the grain, but they think a tool is a tool at the end of the day. So they're like, I'm just going to keep using sketch. Well, I mean, I'll share my personal opinion, but my personal opinion is vague. It's whatever the team is, right? Like, there's a very big difference between, like, what a team of 100 or 50 or 20 or 10 or 3 or 1 needs, right? Like, if if you're a team of 1, use whatever you want, right? I mean, if you're a team of more than 1, like, what's best for the culture? Like, how does a team like to work? Are you remote? or in-house, like all of those factors make, in my opinion, all of those things like make a difference in, in, in this. Yeah. Also like how much time is invested into other tools does make a difference. You have to really think about like, when does it really make sense to reinvest in changing tools? Like, you know, for some companies that can't happen overnight, it has to be incremental. I mean, especially at the enterprise level when people have already negotiated like massive contracts, things will happen a lot slower. So I don't know, like, I think, like, I guess in summary, my opinion is, like, whatever is best for the team. Not not yeah. all, not not everyone's working in a collaborative environment, and not all collaborative environments are remote or together. 
you know, so I think you like have to really think about that, the, the culture, team culture, Yeah. you know, and, and what the size of those teams are. You know, we, we have clients that, uh, big clients who some teams are, you know, small and you have like engineers and designing working together. So they'll be using like one stack and then others where the, where the work impacts like multiple offices, multiple countries, multiple vendors, multiple people. And so they're using something different, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's often, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to any of that. Yeah. I do think though, that like talked about this a little bit on the, on the last podcast, but I mean, in any of these tools, when, it, when you're just looking at it, like the design, it's in, you're expressing an intent for what the design should be. It really matters like how it's implemented and developed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's where I think like, th- that's where I'm starting. Well, I've, I've always sort of felt that way because I started my career as a design technologist. So like there's the intent of what this thing should look like. And then there's like what it actually The looks execution like. of it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm wondering if, People like Figma, Envision, Sketch, whatever, are are thinking about that, right? Like, where does it go beyond, like, intent, like, or the expression of intent? Like, what, you know, like, what about implementing? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it seems like people are thinking about this stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Um, definitely. I don't want to mention any companies' names, but I know that some companies are are thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, even on a base level, like them having the access to be able to pull like a base level of CSS out, you know, there, there's an obvious thought into that process, but it'll be interesting to see where they go. That's for sure. So you're, you're the, you're the local advocate for Figma. And so what do you, what do you think about what, where do you think their focus is and what do you think that they specifically need to do to accomplish their, their goals? Let's talk about that. So from their newest release, which was Smart Layout, which like drastically speeds up workflow, uh, basically you can just set up a little symbol and drag things in and out of it, and it'll automatically adjust the sizing and padding to everything with inside that symbol. So it, it seems like they're really trying to focus on workflow within just one tool, because before that it was Smart Animation, with inside Figma to, you know, make the prototypes feel a lot more real rather than just like these certain transitions between screens. So to me, you know, and they, they don't tell me too much what's behind the curtain, but it, it feels like they're really focusing on just expanding the tool in general and encompassing more of what designers use. You know, like I, I felt like Smart Animate was them tiptoeing into the principal world, you know, and Mm -hmm. trying to take, just allowing designers to stay within one tool to get everything done that they usually take care of. So, um, and it's, it seems like truly they're just trying to speed up the workflow entirely. What about you? What are you focusing? What are you going to be focusing on in 2020 to, to grow personally and accomplish your goals? What are your goals for 2020? I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, honestly, like, since I'm still so fresh in this, it's it's really just focusing on myself and growing more as a designer. Like there's, I've learned so much even within this past year and I just, I can't wait to continue growing like that at an exponential level, you know, and just 
pushing myself to continue to learn more and more things about design and, you know, not try, I mean, obviously get the basics down first of product design and, but, you know, just trying to sharpen my eye, really, I would say. So just practice and practice. There's no right or wrong answer to this and, and people's opinion usually change, but do you, do you see yourself as being someone that's on the path to like full stack, you know, like research, experience design, visual design, implementation kind of kind of thing or do you, is there a certain part of of product design that interests you the most like where do you uh, i mean what, I did, what are you the most interested in it might still be too early to tell for me i think i just i really do enjoy so much of it all yeah that you know like from brand design you know and seeing what certain people on our team have done recently with that is crazy awesome to me and you know I I love the research side of things like even working with Hitch and having to solve through these like you know very specific use case scenarios and like spending days just like you know trying to work things out like that I I love that whole process in itself even if I'm not in Figma at all and I'm just having to like whiteboard things I love yep. that so I I haven't really noticed me being drawn towards anything specifically yet I just you know I I'm I'm enjoying doing it all really and I'm I'm not sure if that's going to end up me being this like, you know, quote unquote unicorn or whatnot, but I I just I think I enjoy like all that it encompasses really. What did you want to be when you grew up? When like when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh I think it was before the irrational fears started kicking in, it was an astronaut. And now that is completely gone. I don't think you could pay me all the money in the world to go into space at this point. You may not be an astronaut, but do you ever feel like you're an astronaut? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I wish I could say exploring, yes. Exploring new territory, new yeah, tools. I, mean, I, new... I, I feel like I do push myself a lot to <laughs> exploring like... Exploring new worlds. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in that sense. I've stolen that from my leadership coach because I found that's a really awesome question to ask people. Like, hmm. where do they see themselves when they when, as they were young? And do they do they... Do they see any part of that in the in their day to day world? You know, like so. You said astronaut. To me, that means like exploring un- unknown territory. Doesn't necessarily mean like being in space. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that now. I mean, I, I definitely, in a weird way, have always like pushed myself, maybe even harder than I should sometimes to, like, try harder and like learn new things. So, um, if we were to record another episode a year from now what's one thing that you would say to your future self about what you want to be great at? I want to tell my future self not to like be too hard on past self about the designs that he's done because I, (laughs) I know a year is a short amount of time, but I do hope that like I still continue to have this, this stride for, you know, next year and be learning so much that I do kind of look back and be like, that's what I was first working on. Natalie yeah. and I save all that stuff oh, for people so that we can show them like, Hey, look how far, like, look at this shitty thing you did. <laughs> like they're your first week here. And like, yeah, just loom it over yeah. my shoulder for the rest of my career. So as someone that's relatively new to the field of design, mm-hmm. what, um, how do you counsel these other people that you've been talking to at GA about like, about how they should approach, you know, their development or their career or the things that they're pursuing? Yeah. So, to me, it's like a, it's a hard thing to really, like, I'm not sure if I'm the best at it 
in the most honest way I can be. It's like, because there's so many certain, like different people going into this field, you know, like to be completely blunt, there are people hearing about these massive salaries that you can make with UX design being like, okay, well, I'm going to make a career change, you know? And like there, I had some classmates that were like that in my cohort and it's like at the end of the day, you know, maybe your background is strong enough to get you into a position that's going to provide you that paycheck that you enjoy. But like, if it's something you truly enjoy and like you're passionate about it, I think it will kind of resonate around you. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think like you can kind of tell when you talk to certain people that have all gone through the same type of like experience, like general assembly, you can tell when someone may or may not have more of an actual interest into this field than just looking at it as like a a better paying job per se. And so like, I mean, I, that's not like something I necessarily try to tell people, but it's, it's about like, like networking to me has always been massive. Like even in the music industry, I wasn't like the best artist in the world, but I, I was able to do really cool and awesome things and I've considered myself to be successful because of the people that I met, you know, and I like, you know, I met you at a networking event and I think sometimes, you know, at the end of the day, like people want to enjoy working with others that they enjoy hanging out with. So putting yourself in these uncomfortable situations and introducing yourself to strangers is like the only real way like you could be the best designer in a general assembly cohort. And if you don't push yourself to network at the end of the day, you're going to be the last one to find a job really like realistically. Yeah. And you also like to early point, you have to be real, realistic, you know, like yeah. people learn at different levels. People are, you know, some people have 20, 20 years experience, but very little experience. Some people have very yeah. little experience, but a lot of expertise like, yeah, uh, you can't, you have to like go into the right mind frame. Like you still have a lot of people like me who transitioned to this field after spending 10, 15 years doing web design. Yeah. You know, and then you have people that are tra- coming in this field with like college degrees or apprenticeships and intensives and all that. So yeah, I think you have to like, I think, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I like these intensives because like, and not, not everyone's the same, of course, but there's something about when you know that someone is spending money mm-hmm. to like learn something, it, it, uh, sometimes it, most of the time it indicates that, that they're really serious about doing that. Yeah. But I don't know, but I do think that, uh, you know, all, all of the, all of the companies that are doing, uh, these t- education, whether it's like formal college or intensives or apprenticeships, whatever, they need to be more realistic about like what to expect after that. Yeah. Maybe they are. I don't know. I've never been through them, but it's hard to tell. Thomas, thanks for, thanks for doing this. Yeah, it's been of great course. to talk to you. Love doing this. Actually, it's been great to just sit in a room with you yeah, for a while. Cause I haven't we, really had a, had a, had that opportunity to hang out with you in a while. Yeah. Now we're going to just have to do more podcasts, yeah, we'll right? Have to do more podcasts. We'll just record a bunch and not, not post any of them. <laughs> Perfect. Like this Sounds one. Good. Just kidding. How can people connect with you? Uh, best way is honestly Twitter. It's, Thomas, the letter M for Michael, and then E-W-A-R-T is my handle. Um, I don't tweet too much. I'm trying to be better about that because, uh, you know, I, I feel like I should have a voice into it. But yeah, that's definitely the best way to reach me. 
Awesome. Thanks, Thomas. Yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the House of Podcast. We'll see you next time. Cheers. is brought to you by FunSize, a digital service and product design agency that works with inspiring teams to uncover opportunities, evolve popular products, bring new businesses to market, and prepare for the future. Learn more at funsize.co. I'm Dina, a product designer at FunSize. Thanks for listening. Bye!